Hey everyone, this is Brett. And this is Nick. So this past week, I asked our listeners, Nick, through Facebook, what do you love or appreciate about the Christmas holiday season? Mm -hmm. And we got a lot of great answers and I compiled them. And I thought that maybe if I shared them with you and the listeners, you guys might agree that I think this really sums up Christmas and holiday season, like maybe perfectly. So based on all the feedback we got from our listeners, it is a time of giving when that little piece of excitement you had as a child bubbles to the surface and we tend to slow down and take a little extra time to be thoughtful. And it's about family, specifically about getting together with family to peel prawns, put reindeer antlers on your dog, drink eggnog, eat grandma's rum balls while listening to Bing Crosby sing carols and watching Edward Scissorhands. And sometimes if he's in the neighborhood, Jesus stops by. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's Christmas. That's, that's it. good, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good job. <Yeah>. Thanks, guys. <laughs> well, next week, we're going to be replaying our Christmas special that we made last year. You guys may remember yeah, and, that. And Nick, I just want to say something about that special. Yes. Like, I really, I hope, I hope, I have aspirations, right? Every year, I watch Charlie Brown Christmas. You know, mm. people watch Rudolph. People watch movies like Scrooged and and uh, Love Actually. And, you know, It's a Wonderful Life. I'm hoping that this will become an annual tradition for people. We don't have to do a new special every every <laughs> year, right? Like, this is the Where There's Smoke yeah. Christmas special. And you should gather your family around and listen to it just like you would watch It's a Wonderful Life. For sure. I, I totally agree with that so that's next week everyone get excited for that but this week we wanted to just share a couple of stories that are inspired by the holiday season and by christmas because as you probably know brett and i we love christmas so to get us there though because we're not going to do digs at the end of the show we just wanted to share some ideas with you to help you stay in the spirit uh all the way to christmas so brett where do you christmas digging this week yeah, so a few quick things. Firstly, Nick, just a quick review for everyone out there. Past holiday digs, walking through the airport, uh, malls, busy streets, listening to Christmas music on headphones, John Denver and the Muppets, A Christmas yes. Together, A Very Merry Christmas on Netflix, and the Soma FM Holiday Radio app. So check those out. And then two new albums I've discovered this year, which I just think are fantastic. Sean Lee's Ping Pong Orchestra, and uh, they've put out about 10 records. This one is a very ping pong Christmas. Super <laughs> funky, super great, re-released on vinyl this year but also streams on Apple Music and wherever you stream music. And then Jazz Dispensary uh, put out an album called Holiday Treats. I think this one's only on vinyl right now, but I'm sure it'll be streaming soon. But again, just all kinds of kind of funky, soulful, kind of far out vibes on this album. Both of them I've been uh, rotating kind of nonstop in the last month as I started playing Christmas music. So check those two out. And then Nick, what are your holiday digs? Well, I've got one christmas music dig for you it's it's called people like us well it's by people like us they did a a remix thing at the christmas tate modern museum doesn't matter but we're gonna put a link to it and it's like 25 minutes of the most obscure music remixing and it plays games with your mind and like i would talk for it for 10 minutes but there's no time for it so Listen to the links for that. If you need 25 minutes of great, just like background Christmas music, this is it. And the other thing I'm recommending is an adult swim special um, that was called Joe Para Helps You Find the Perfect Christmas Tree. And um, just the less said about it, uh, the better. But it's calm and it's, um, it, I don't know, it's great. So Joe Para Helps You Find the Perfect Christmas Tree. And then People Like Us at the Tate Modern. Those are all in the links. And that's what I got. All right. Well, I hope you guys get a chance to check all those things out. Of course, we always love to hear what you guys are digging. So please keep tweeting at us at Explore WTS. And uh, we hope you guys enjoy this week's show. Thanks. (laughs) 
Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, pop culture, and experience. Ho, 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 ho. It's the holiday season, and we want you to feel the feels this year. First, we discuss what to do if Christmas has got you down, and then we explore the power of being in silence. My name is Brett Gaida. And my name is Nick Jaworski. Let's start the show. This past week, I asked people what they love, appreciate about Christmas and the holiday season. The words and ideas that showed up the most were joy, family, kindness, giving, slowing down, Jesus Christ, sharing, music, childlike wonder, holiday specials, and of course, food, mostly sweets. You may notice that all of those answers reflect positive experiences for people, things most of us would deem as welcome and wanted in our life. But let's be honest, for some people, sometimes, Christmas sucks. Oh man, this is gonna suck. And for many of us, (laughs) Christmas isn't always merry. I mean, maybe for you, this feels like one of those years. Longtime listeners of this show know that my dad died when I was 18 years old, and for a decade at least, Christmas mostly sucked. It just sucks, man. The holidays are a time when emotions seem to become heightened. Now, if you are currently loving the state of your life, then Christmas time can feel like a ball of excitement wrapped in a blanket of love inside a quilt of endless possibilities. It's like a riddle wrapped in an enigma wrapped in a vest. But when life has knocked you down, whether that be through the loss of a loved one or relationship, challenges with your physical, emotional, or mental health, financial troubles, or any other painful life situation, well, then we can often dread Christmas or scoff at the idea of a happy holiday season. And many of those things we would appreciate in other years, family, giving, music, holiday specials, feasts of food and drink, they just seem to magnify our current pain. And so if that is you this year, if your Christmas season is feeling a bit more blue than red and green, I want to suggest that just because it isn't merry, it doesn't mean it can't be happy. Going all the way back to our fourth episode on happiness, this is positive psychologist professor Dr. Laura Delazana. The biggest misconception with happiness is that it's about cheer, joy, being gleeful, and in a good mood all the time. That's absolutely not what it is. That's a, that's a mood. That's a state, and that's easy to get to. We don't need to have science and research to tell us how <laughs> to like you know laugh and and have cheer. No, no, we're all in this together. This is a full blown four alarm holiday emergency here. We're gonna press on, and we're gonna have the hap hap happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny. Happiness is much deeper than that. When we're talking about happiness, we're talking about thriving. We're talking about firing on all cylinders, about living to your life's potential. It includes living the full spectrum of life, the whole 
human experience. In the WTS Christmas special released last year, we talked about Christmas well-being and how it is affected by a self-imposed pressure to do Christmas right. Okay, brother. Then let's do it right. And it seems that right means joy, family, kindness, giving, slowing down, Jesus Christ, sharing music, childlike wonder, holiday specials, and of course, food. Mostly sweets. Mmm, chocolate. And so when we are down or sad or mourning or just a bit blue, we feel like we have to either shift and be merry or just hide out until it's over. But what if Christmas isn't just about being merry? What if it's about embracing the whole human experience, as Dr. Delazana put it? What if feelings like loss, failure, death, fear, and discomfort aren't crashing the Christmas party, but instead are an integral part of Christmas? And the point is not to stuff those feelings away or feel bad about them, but to let them in, honor them, celebrate them even, and use Christmas as a tool for transformation and rebirth. And I'm not just suggesting this off the top of my head. I mean, we can see themes in the DNA of Christmas, both in its religious origin story and in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, which is one of the biggest influencers on how Christmas is celebrated today in Western culture. Christmas, in its origin, is an annual festival commemorating the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, regardless of your religious beliefs or devotion, and whether you believe the gospel to be fact or fiction, look at the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. It was not a fun day of peace, joy, celebration, and spiked eggnog. It is a story of two parents, Mary and Joseph, at the end of an arduous journey, and certainly in a state of fear, struggle, and even terror. Imagine Mary, pregnant, and I mean very pregnant, or as the Bible describes it, heavy with child, and her husband Joseph making a challenging trek over several days and 130 kilometers to reach Bethlehem. And then when they finally arrived, after a likely difficult ascent, with Bethlehem residing at an altitude of over 760 meters, there was nowhere for them to stay. There was no room at the inn. At this point, Mary was experiencing pain, which was intensifying, and Joseph likely feared for both the lives of his wife and his unborn child. Eventually, they are able to take shelter in a stable, where Mary then goes into labor and gives birth. In a stable, a building for lodging and feeding farm animals. Hardly a place noted as being a safe hygienic environment to give birth to a child. And then the newborn baby Jesus is placed in a manger. Now I know we've sentimentalized this part through nativity plays and paintings over the years, but do you know what a manger is? It's a trough. It's a trough in a stable from which farm animals eat. Now wrap all this together and you have a story of survival and struggle and courage and grit. And so maybe that is part of what Christmas is about too. Maybe it is about rising above our circumstances and creating life. 
1843, Charles Dickens wrote and released the novel A Christmas Carol. In the story, Dickens sought to construct Christmas as a family-centered holiday, which embraced gatherings, feasts of food and drink, music, games, compassion, and the generosity of spirit. God bless us, everyone. And it is widely acknowledged that A Christmas Carol and its popularity played a significant role in reviving the spirit of Christmas and inspiring the way in which it is celebrated to this very day. But A Christmas Carol is not simply a story of Christmas feasting. As Jeffrey Rowell discussed in his article for History Today, A Christmas Carol is a story of conversion. A story of Ebenezer Scrooge releasing himself of the chains of covetousness and greed worn by Marley's ghost and into the freedom of compassion and generosity. It is a tale of redemption, of transformation, where Mr. Scrooge must first recognize and accept his pain, and then he is able to change his circumstances. Now, in A Christmas Carol, the old Scrooge dies on Christmas Eve, and a new one is born on Christmas Day. I would not ask any of us to expect that kind of overnight transformation. But perhaps the Christmas season can be a catalyst and an accelerator for change. Although it is not known why December 25th specifically became the date of celebration for Jesus' birth and in turn Christmas Day, one factor that is often mentioned is that December 25th was the date the Romans marked as the winter solstice. As expressed in an early sermon by Augustine, quote, hence it is that he was born on the day which is the shortest in our earthly reckoning, and from which subsequent days began to increase in length. He therefore who bent low and lifted us up chose the shortest day, yet the one whence light begins to increase, unquote. And so although the origin of Christmas was a literal birth, we can see that the holiday season is also about rebirth. And maybe the intensity of the emotions we feel is actually part of its gift. The Christmas season takes whatever emotions we are struggling with and it forces them through the eye of the needle. Through an increased intensity that the holidays often bring, we have the opportunity to process these feelings faster. You know, we are not able to stuff them away or tell ourselves it's okay because like Ebenezer Scrooge's night with the ghosts of Christmas, it all rises up and is put in our face. And like Scrooge, we have an opportunity to change, to transform. And so Christmas can be our conversion, our release from the chains of pain and struggle. It can be the winter solstice of our year the shortest day of the year, the last day of regression and decay. And that means that it is the beginning of our spring. And although we may not see the buds of new growth appear for many months, through this period of rebirth, let us know that it is happening. Feel the pain, feel the loss, feel the sadness. And if you can do that, then know that it is already regressing. And after Christmas, as the hours of daylight increase every single day, know that you too will be expanding and will become lighter. And this holiday season, and whatever you are feeling, is thrusting you into the next beautiful chapter of your life.
Some of you may remember that back in the winter of 2003, I went to Air Force basic training so I could join an Air National Guard band. And you may know this detail of my life because it's from probably our most referenced story here on the show. And Brett, I swear to God this is true. While I'm listening to this song, all I could think was, that is the way it is, Celine. (laughs) But tucked into a little tiny corner of that story is a quick reference to one of the more emotional moments of my time at basic training. So on top of that, I was training over Christmas, and it was my first time away from home. The fact that my training happened over Christmas was a big deal to me at the time. As we've said before, the holidays are a time where we think of family and we think of tradition. And when that's disrupted and we can't participate in any of those rituals that we're used to, that can be difficult. So on Christmas Eve 2003, I wasn't at home with my family. I found myself in a little church called Gateway Chapel on Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio, Texas. The thing that you may not get about basic training, and I I assume this goes for all the branches, is that going to church is like the only time you can get away from the drudgery of boot camp. You get to just sit down sometimes. Your instructors aren't yelling at you to do 20 more push-ups. And of course, they're singing. You get to sing. Church was so important to my basic training experience that from the moment mass ended, I spent the rest of the week counting down the hours until the next mass. I mean, that's how much I loved going to church at basic training. So here we are in this small chapel on on Christmas Eve. And if my memory serves correct, it's around 9 or 10 at night, which was also kind of a special occurrence. And the small band that had performed at Mass every week was there playing traditional Christmas carols. And for the first time since I'd been in San Antonio, I felt just a bit lighter, just just a bit. Um, Hearing that Christmas music felt amazing. But then they started playing this song. just sobbed. Like, not like a manly single tear down the cheek thing, just gross, snotty, irrational sobbing. It, it was not pretty. And um, obviously it wasn't just the song. Basic training was quite a lot to go through, and Silent Night, for whatever reason, served as a pressure release valve. Everything that was kept in, all of the exhaustion, stress, anxiety, it all came out. Now, eventually, I got my shit together, and everything was fine. We finished the service, we went back to our barracks, and then we spent all of Christmas Day waxing the floors and realigning all of the beds before I fell asleep on the floor watching the second Matrix movie. And that was nice. I mean, the nap was nice. The movie, not so much. 
But what is it about Silent Night that just got to me on that Christmas Eve? It never happened before. Why that night? Well, I think it could be a lot of different things. It might be that at its core, I don't really think of Silent Night as a religious song. That first verse barely qualifies as religious to me. So let's let's quickly go through the words. So, Silent Night, Holy Night, All is calm, all is bright, Round yon virgin, mother and child, Holy infant, so tender and mild, Sleep in heavenly peace, Sleep in heavenly peace. Now, forget the reference to the virgin mother and all that. If you just take one step back and focus on that first verse, it's just a song about the birth of a child. All of the stress, the planning, the traveling, just the noise of all of that, and of the delivery too. All of that has given way to the quiet of a mother and her newborn child meeting each other for the very first time. And undoubtedly, there will be other challenges for both of them, but for right now, all is calm. And even in the dead of night, all is bright. And that's, that's just one take on it. It's just a simple, beautiful scene. But I think the real reason that this song got to me, and the real reason that this song resonates so much, is because of the very idea of silence itself, and how that relates to peace. Silent Night is unlike almost any other celebratory song that I can think of. Um, happy Birthday. Happy Hark the Herald Angel Sings. Hark the Herald Angel Sings. Glory to the newborn King. We are the champions. champions, Party like it's All of those songs say, check it out, we did it, we're amazing. Yeah! But Silent Night beautifully says something entirely different. It says, congratulations, we did it. Now you can rest. The reward isn't glory or riches or fame, it's peace. A heavenly peace, to be specific. And that peace comes from the fact that the night is silent. Everything is quiet. And look, silence is one of, if not the oldest thing in our universe. It predates the universe itself. In fact, remember the Big Bang? Like the moment when everything began in our universe? The moment that is named after a loud sound, a Big Bang? Well, the Big Bang itself was probably silent. Author Mike Goldsmith talks about this in his book, Discord. He writes, Despite a promising name, the Big Bang was silent. A sudden burst of energy in which time and space began forming the universe as it spread. With no space to expand into, there could be no medium around it into which sound waves could possibly propagate. So the very start of our universe was silent. And ever since then, we've slowly found ways to just turn up the volume on just about everything. First, there were animals, and they made noise. And then humans came along, they made noise. They started making small hand tools, those made noise. 
And we started making music, and that made noise. And then there were guns, and more noise, and then the Industrial Revolution, and then fast forward, rock and roll, and world wars, and atomic bombs. And now we live in a world of beeps and tweets, and likes, cable news, smartphones, podcasts. You know what's out there. there, It's just noise all the time. We have created a world for ourselves where silence is virtually non-existent. I mean, like, here at my apartment, just to record this, I had to turn my refrigerator and my heater off, also my notifications on my phone and my watch, and turn the TV off, because that's always on, but my water heater is still going. There is no place I can go that is remotely silent. And while the silence I'm talking about right now is external, the things that we hear with our ears, All of those sounds, all of that noise has a direct impact on the silence within ourselves. But why? I mean, if we know that's the case, then why do we make so much noise? Why are we tweeting? Why are we talking? What is happening? Well, the late Gary Shandling talked to Mark Maron on WTF about this very idea back in 2011. Well, because the, the, the truth actually is in the silence. That's right. So we come back to the other problem in life, is people are afraid to have a silent moment like that there. And in that silence right there is all the truth and all the wisdom in the world. Yeah, I almost cried during those. So you got to stop talking. Everybody's talking, jumping up and giving their opinion too quickly. Right. Yeah, why? What is that? You know, because addiction, I, addiction to uh, preventing me from having to discover my true self, a a defensive yeah, reaction, right. to not going any deeper, right? Self protective, yeah. And, but, oh yeah, well listen, I'll tell you this right, right now. Right, it was, right. There was global warming. But yeah. a friend of mine in the gym said to me the other day. In the audio, you can hear Mark talk about how he almost cries during the silence. And I don't know if I've ever heard anyone else say that, but I do too. Like any time that I find myself being taken through a a guided meditation, you know, if I can truly let go, let my body sink into the chair or feel the sand on that metaphor beach, if I can do that, then I almost always start to cry. And I think it's because I work so hard to avoid that inner calm. I'm so tense. I'm so tight. And I do that, I guess, because I'm afraid of my own thoughts. I'm largely afraid of myself. As Gary Shandling said, all of this noise is an addiction to preventing me from having to discover my true self. I'm so wrapped up that when I can just let go a bit, it's terrifying. It's, it's so scary. At the end of the first verse of Silent Night, The line, sleep in heavenly peace, is is said twice. I've always thought that the first time is directed to Mary and her child, Jesus. Hey, you two, you've been through a lot, and now you can rest. But the second time we hear the line, sleep in heavenly peace, that's for us. The singers, the people listening, the world. To me, it just means, hey, everything's okay. You're going to be fine. You You can just relax. And that peace, that inner quiet, is perhaps what we should wish for more than anything else on this planet. That the people we love, the people we like, the people we hate, the people we don't know, 
we should wish that they can experience that quiet for themselves. Because when you can quiet the fears and the doubts, then you can take the time to just be with yourself without having to worry. You can, you can put your head down at night and just know that it's okay. What a gift. And so that's the wish I have for all of you during this holiday season. That during these long, cold nights, that you're able to find at least one moment where you can just turn everything off, take a deep breath, and just let it go. Let it all go. Merry Christmas, everybody. Sleep well.